You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. The Kings have won three in a row, and apparently the problem was Ilya Kovalchuk all along. It's another Saturday edition of The Bannerman, episode 49. How are you today, or this afternoon, or whatever the hell time it is, Vardy? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm puzzled within me as to how this has happened but here we are i don't even know what you're talking about it could be so many things you're talking about right now are you talking about the kovalchuk situation are you talking about the fact that the kings have three straight wins for the first time this season are you talking about the fact that gabe velarde might play the hockeys this season those are at least three of the things that I could be talking about. I'm sure there's more things that'll come up as we as we get to chatting yes. here. But yeah, fresh off the heels of uh, three wins in a row, the latest one coming against the arch rival of three years. <laughs> God, <laughs> our our longstanding nemesis. That's just a Vegas created thing because they have no enemies and they have no rivals and they're just really uh, trying hard. The medieval yes, melee. Yes, the hated LA Kings defeated them today. I'm sure they're super upset. Jeff Carter in his 1000th game with the GWG. If anyone can say anything about Jeff Carter, is that that dude's super dramatic. Yeah, and if any opposing team rolls into a game against the Kings and one of their players is playing in their 1,000th game, they should know that's at least Over. the goal on the board right Ex- there. Exactly. Uh, automatic. <clears throat> I think Dustin Brown had the Hattie <laughs> against mm-hmm. Colorado. These guys are getting old. <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> that's exactly. Pretty, that's There's a lot of silver sticks handed out there. Where I'm at. Uh, to match their beards and their hair, the silver right. sticks. One of the, one of my favorite traditions, actually. In it Austria. is really nice. A very cool little thing that they do, that they hand out. What is your take on this three-game winning streak, Vardy? Because I don't know what to feel. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I get it. Because two out of the three teams they beat, they're kind of like neck and neck in terms of badness, you know? With uh, Detroit... And uh, it was Minnesota, right? Was the beginning? Um, it's it feels forever ago. It Hold is on. forever. I have ago. to look. Oh yeah, yeah Minnesota. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's they beat Minnesota three one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So they beat Minnesota and they beat Detroit, who are both at the bottom of the standings with us. So I'm not really shocked by that. That that's really a coin flip. I guess the shocking part is coming off of the horrendous road trip to uh, the eastern parts of Canada, where <laughs> where we lost to toronto and then mm-hmm. lost in overtime to the senators and took some late game heroics to even get it to overtime yes. and then played okay in montreal and lost that one too so we had established ourselves a nice little three game you know losing streak and i thought here we go we're settling in <laughs> wheels started coming off of the wagon people started getting healthy scratched left and right you know some real some real nuttiness started popping up which is awesome because it was only in november we'd been in this season for a whopping month and then of course they emerged from the nuttiness for the three game victory uh three game streak and i'm i'm just back to being as confused as ever yeah um i'm obviously like i have a beef with a lot of the people who cover the vegas golden knights with the way they speak the way they've 
talked about other teams and all that. We really, you could go back into the archives and you could find a few <laughs> gems in our episodes. So, you know, I it feels good to beat Vegas always, but at the same time, when I step back and I look at the big picture, we need to be in that lottery, baby. I don't think there's any question about it, what we need. So, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, can't believe you want the team to lose. What kind of fan are you? You know what? I'm the kind of fan that's seen everything this team has done, pretty much, and... I know what they need right now, and what they yeah. need is yeah. You, you know what side stud. the bread is buttered on, baby. You know, you know what the long term vision needs to be. My thing is like, it would be cool if this uh, winning streak stops right around here. Like that's fine with me. I would rather they beat Montreal and lose to Vegas, honestly, because we all know how I feel about Montreal in general. That's true. And playing against that's Montreal. True. Montreal's good this year, though, man. Montreal played a heck good. of a game. Vegas, on the other hand, not so good. I, I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, and I don't know if he was half joking when he was saying this, but uh, Jesse Cohen actually was the one who came out season and in his preview was saying that he did not think the Vegas Knights were going to make the playoffs. As of right now, they are not in a playoff spot. And they are not having some having some real issues there. Yeah, so, on the other side man, of the spectrum, is... <clears throat> I predicted the Knights would win the the Pacific Division, so hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think maybe Jesse's going to be closer on this one than me. That's I fine. Think I'll, so I'll take my lumps and I will be happy for it, believe it or yeah. not. I'll be, I'll, that's fine with me as long as the Kings don't yeah. finish ahead of them for some godforsaken reason. We don't want that. <laughs> we don't need that. You don't want that black hole area where you miss the playoffs by not a huge cushion but you're also way out of the lottery we don't want that we've been there yeah the lori tukinen area i call it uh, <laughs> you don't want to be in the well, lori that era also zone. spawned that that era also spawned kopitar kopi was in that black that's hole true. area that's true it was in the black hole area they just you know and that, that's Justin just on other gms <laughs> excuse me by the way, I'm fighting off a bit of a cold. I apologize if I'm a little sultrier with my voice than usual. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that's just on other general managers for passing on him. Because mm-hmm. in all likelihood, he should have gone two or three in that draft. And uh, that's, a, yeah. that's a different thing. You know who else should have gone higher in their draft? Gabe Velarde, whose name you threw out there. And well, he jury, was passed on as well. Jury's still out on that. I no one no one knew about the health issues at that time. Sure. Health issues were the only thing that have held him back from playing in the AHL thus far. Well, even if it was healthy, you don't know if maybe 11 was right where he was supposed to be. I, you just don't know. Uh, okay. I, I don't mean to spoil your <laughs> nice, beautiful segue there. But, yes, Gabe Velarde is playing the sport of hockey with no limitations right now. Again, we're going to be very careful <laughs> what we say always right. when it comes to Gabe. He is in a full contact practice situation with the Ontario yes. Reign, who apparently desperately need him now because ever since our last episode when we raved about the Reign, they have fallen on difficult times. They are now 8-5, and five, I think 8-5-1 and one, or 8-5-2, and two, something like that after being, I believe, 8-1-1. One and one. Yeah. So. Things haven't been going well over there, but at the same time, they ha- there have been call-ups to the Kings. Matt Luff's up, Grunstrom's up. Yes, you know, that shouldn't derail an entire team or anything like that, but they are key cogs to that team any way you slice it. Um, so hopefully they'll turn it around, and I believe one Gabe Velarde would help them, hopefully, 
turn that ship around. Yeah, I think so too. And it's it's impressive. It's impressive because I don't think we had any information whatsoever reliably where his progress was going to be at the beginning of this season. And now, you know, a month plus into the season, full full contact practices. It's amazing. And all we can hope for is that it keeps up. All we can hope for is no setbacks and uh, more good things coming from the pipeline would be nice. No, it's good. It's good. Let's just keep the positives rolling. It's been back to back to back to back positives. And uh, let's just have them keep rolling along, get in some games, perform well, maybe get a little sniff of the National Hockey League if he can. Okay, sorry, I'm getting crazy. I apologize. You were were loco. (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go there. Um, so let's let's let me ask you, what has your thought been about Grundstrom and Luff since they've been called up? Um, any thoughts whatsoever? Have they done anything? Unfortunately, thus far that no has thoughts. Left you? No thoughts probably means not overly impressed or discouraged either way mm-hmm. from them. I just don't see the value of having them up in the NHL right now. I just can't really understand. I mean, other than Matt Luff being hyper-competitive and and very upset that he was in the AHL to begin with, really working hard to get the call-up, I understand you have to reward these guys at some point. If they are putting in the effort you like to see, there has to be something there for them to be like, okay, I did this and I got this. Um, I get that part. So the call-ups here and there, that's fine. But I just hope it's not a long-term proposition. I hope it's not like, all right, man, like we're going to keep you up here the whole season. Because like we talked about a few episodes ago, what I like to see is that group down there really gel together and win together and lose together and and face adversity together so that when they're all up in the NHL together, they will have already formed this cohesiveness and this trust with one another that that goes way outside the rink and, and all this stuff. It's a little, you know, Disney of me to say all that, but honestly, like that's... The best teams are always the ones that are the tightest, usually, that really trust each other. Right. That will go to battle for each other, all that all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what I foresee. I don't think having them up here, yes, is great for their experience, but it's still three, you know, three-game winning streak put, set aside. It's still going to be losing hockey this season. Yeah. And if these vets get uh, shipped out like, you know, people expect and people have been talking about and rumors have been suggesting then it's just going to get worse let's be honest it's not going to i i don't think it's going to get better the way it's going right now so that's my thing like and yes they haven't overly impressed me they haven't really done anything to really stand out i thought they were better served in the ahl where they were really really making a huge impact on that team Mm -hmm. and and it might just be kind of a rotating cast of characters like this. Like I'd be uh, surprised, I guess, if both Grundstrom and Luff stayed up for the duration, but yeah, you're right. At some point, if these, if these players do end up getting traded between now and the deadline, um, there will, you know, there's going to be a need to bring up guys. Sure. And at that point you got no choice. You have to, you have to bring them up. You can't just like, you can't have like 16 guys on the bench if you if you get rid of two or three players you no, know but you know you have options you have your mario campies that could come up for, definitely yeah like, those first. guys Absolutely. aren't long-term players <clears throat> like they just yeah. come in plug in holes and you keep on yeah. rolling you know so totally totally 
but the I reward, 100% agree. Yeah, but the reward thing, I think, is a legitimate thing that coaches and management and the organization looks at and says, we have to have this in place where, you know, if, if the player is really playing well and they're that's what they want, right? That's what these players want. Right. Regardless of how bad they look up and see the Kings are, they're not going to be like, yeah, man, I'd rather be down here in Ontario. Things are great. No, they want to be in yeah. the NHL. They want to play. Yeah, of course. They want to, you know be a part of that life that lifestyle is everything they work for so it's a tricky situation it's easy for me to sit here and say yeah just keep them down but at the same time again i don't think this situation right now is overly beneficial to them other than they feel good about themselves they have confidence that they're in the nhl and all the other kind of intangible things that go with it yeah i agree I, I get where, I, I get exactly where you're coming from. I think especially for a guy like Luff, who got a bit of a raw deal, in my opinion, uh, last season under Willie Desjardins. Um, Join the club. Buddy. And yeah, and still yeah, exactly, um, and still hasn't I think bounced back to the level of how he was playing on his initial call up last season. Even in the AHL, he's kind of drifted down the. The, you know the the lineup um i think it's important to keep a guy like that you know optimistic and and give him something to kind of work towards right i, I think that's important um other young players who i think are starting to settle in blake lazotte who has been you know a constant source of energy and solid forecheck and he, he's got two goals now he got his first one um was it against Minnesota? I believe it was against Montreal out of the air. I think Montreal, he, he that's right. Down, that's right. right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. And he got a shorty today. So, and I, I actually I like that they're using him on the penalty kill. I do because I think his speed and his forechecking ability um, is is a good asset to have as a penalty killer. Yeah, and I think and, he's the type of player right now, and he's proven since training camp. He's the type of player that's willing to do anything. Yeah, you ask him to, you know, go through a wall, so to speak, as you know, and he's been doing it. That's and that's the kind of thing that earns you PK time in right. hockey. Is like, are you willing to step in front of a shot? Are you willing to, you know, sacrifice yourself for the better of the team and all this stuff? And he's exactly the type of the player that would do that. So yeah, not surprised. And yeah, I'm happy for him too. Um, other than that, I mean, I think Lazat. We've talked about this before. He's the kind of guy that deserves to be in the NHL, regardless of what's going on in the AHL. Uh, on the other side, that uh, Nikolai Prokorkin gets his first NHL goal today. Mm -hmm. And what I was pleased with, I was pleased with his game overall. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, he, you know, he's on the line he's on. I'm not going to harp on it too much. I think he would benefit from being on with players more that talent. are a little more skilled. A little more, a little more offensively gifted because he's sometimes he makes these little plays where you're like, if if you know if the guy next to him was just a little better, mm -hmm. and this is not a knock on anyone. I mean, you know, the whole team is in trouble, so to speak. So, sure. But, but I, I I am pleased with the way he's been playing. Happy he got his first NHL goal, and really happy the way the team reacted to him mm -hmm. because it could be difficult for this kid who you know, kind of stayed away from North America intentionally for a while. There were there is, you know, a situation with the team where they couldn't get him over and not saying players care about those things, but it's nice to see how on board everyone was with him scoring the goal and just very happy for him. It's good. It's good. And I hope honestly I do hope he sticks around. 
because I would like to see him play with this next wave of players and see what he can do because I don't think this is going to be a true representation of what he's capable of at least not yet not now yeah I agree I think I think it goes a long way that he's you know from the highlights and things that I had seen of his KHL game and the KHL game in general from what I've seen is just way more open sure you know like it's it's not going to be as tightly checked you're going to have a lot more room to do what you want to do um I appreciate that he's not he's not trying to play a KHL game in the NHL if that makes sense it like he understands that sense. yeah he he understands that he's getting third fourth line minutes he understands what the expectation is of someone who's playing third fourth line and not that he's dumbing down his skill but he's bringing what's expected of that role and then finding moments in in that role to display a little more offensive creativity and flair. Like even the goal today, he started that play initially and Love picked up the rebound, went around the net, but he could have just hung out in the slot, right? He made the heads up play to actually, even though he was completely out of that whole exchange between Love and Clifford in front of the net after he, you know, after the initial shot, he drove to the net and that's, that's, that's what the goal came from. Otherwise that puck just drifts off into nowhere because he's, you know, nowhere involved. So I think that's little things like that. Like you can't teach that it's simple, but going to the net and picking a spot that's open around the net where a puck can squeeze out to you and you're not checked. That's, that's just skill. That's natural ability. And so it's nice to see that kind of pop up from time to time. And I agree. It's nice that, you know, like Jeff Carter, Jeff Carter was mic'd up for the game and you know, he's yelling, yeah, pro and whatnot on the, like stuff like that's nice. I think. It's very cool. And I give him a lot of credit uh, talking about Prokorkin. You know, I don't, I don't want to say the Kings jerked him around a little bit, but when they brought him over, everyone kind of expected, okay, so you're bringing him over. The roster's thin. He's probably going to make the team. He's a skilled player. has good And right, right. Off, you know, right out of the gate, he plays Ontario. Now, it was short. Obviously, it wasn't anything long, and he's up now. But it's good to see him still working hard and not seemingly not pouting or anything like that because – it's happened before to players. Yeah. I, think, I think, you know, we always talk about that one season in 2014 early on where Toffoli and Pearson were very pouty about not making the team out of camp, which is fine. <laughs> That's, you know, I I would rather a player be upset than, you know, be like, whatever, you know, it's all good. Yeah. Matt left this season. I'm sure he wasn't happy, but it's good to see him not discouraged coming up and doing everything he can to stay up. That's what you want to see from a guy like that. With a, for seriously, a guy, no matter how you slice it, comes in with a bunch of question marks. Right. A KHL uh, success does not translate to this league, and it's good that, it, like you said, he's he's willing to put the work in and make adjustments to his game. I hope he sticks around, man. I really do. Um, they're going to have to do some work to keep him, I believe, but yeah, uh, it'll be, I think, a nice depth addition to the team because i don't know how old he is i think he's 25 26 yeah 25 he's still, 26 he's still young he could still be a part of that that core group moving forward so yeah i think the the one interesting thing is that like you know luff Prokorkin, maybe even grunstrom I, I think the problem is that and we've talked about this before is that we're accumulating these guys who are probably projecting out to be third line guys yeah. In in the long term. And you're not going to be able to keep all of them. You're not going to be able to develop all of them. So at some point, something's going to have to give. And one of these or a few of these guys have to be showing something to, to make the team want to keep them. And I brought this up. I, I think I tweeted this out. Like Luff had 
a golden opportunity coming down the slot a couple games ago and he either whiffed on the puck, I forget, or put it wide. And it was just like, you know, at some point, those are the plays that like you're going to have to make if you want to stick in the club. Cause there's, there's too many people, there's too many people for, for too few spots for where our, our bell curve of skill is right now. I think. Agreed. You have Jared Anderson, Dolan, you have right. Sheldon Rempel down there. There are just too many guys that are going to be battling yeah. for spots. Just way yeah, I totally too many. forgot about Rempel. Jeez. Yeah. We still got guys there, man. They're just, I'm sure would love to get an opportunity just like these guys are getting. And, you know, the numbers game is the numbers game eventually. Even Carl Grundstrom, like you mentioned, is, is probably yeah. a tweener, second, third line player. Totally. Anderson Dolan, Luff, you know, even, you know, Wagner's probably going to make his living on the bottom six. But still, there's just a ton of players there that you could pick. And, and you're going to have to add some vets. Obviously, you can't just roll yeah. out a team full of kids. It's not going to work. Usually, you need some veteran leadership all across the board. So, interesting times. Uh, speaking of veterans, Vardy. A couple of veterans getting scratched recently. We didn't really touch on it, but we'll, we'll you know, if if you could envision Adrian Kempe being called a veteran these days, he is one of them. Adrian Kempe, Tyler Toffoli, and of course the saga of Ilya Kovalchuk. Um, the the two aforementioned players, Kempe and Toffoli, did I guess respond, so to speak, to their to their uh, healthy scratches. I think Toffoli picked up. I think he had a four-game point streak with just assists after mm-hmm. his after being scratching. Kempis, I think he's gotten a few. <laughs> he got one for sure. He uh, got his, one. His second of the season against Detroit yeah. to tie the game. Yeah, which again was was a good play. If you watch that play, it was a extra attacker play, and he got the he got the the goal to tie the game and take it to overtime, where they eventually won with Iafalo scoring. But it was a it was a smart play because he was kind of bunched up in the slot and they were trying to screen the goaltender, but rather than just keep facing the shooter, once that shot came through, he actually kind of pivoted off and, and body blocked out the guy who was defending him to open up an Avenue for him to get his blade on the puck. And again, it's little things and I don't want to attribute it totally to being healthy scratched. I'm sure they've been talking his ear off about little things that they want to improve, but I don't know. I think, uh, I think it's it's too early to say that Adrian Kempe really responded to it. I think it doesn't matter what Tyler Toffoli does, one way or another. This is his his last season as an LA King. I believe that also. Yeah, I believe that also. It seems though that they are investing in Kempe. From everything that I've heard and read, it's not that he can do no wrong. It's that they realize that he's kind of in this unique position where he's actually played somehow 200 plus NHL games already. And um, like you jokingly mentioned, but he is kind of a veteran when it comes to that within this team. And so they, they look to him as, as a bridge player. They look to him as someone that they want to keep around this team, I think for the duration of his two year deal. And they're hoping that he develops into a second line player, whether that's at center wing, I, I, I really don't know. And he's just not, again, he's another guy who, you know, he's got second line talent, but you're lucky if you're getting third line production out of him. Yeah. At this um, point. I think he's better, probably better suited on the wing. He's been on the wing since he came back into the lineup and he's just looked better. Is he, you know, setting the world on fire and, 
creating chances every shift. No, but he just has looked better on the wing. I think we all, you and I especially, really wanted him to pan out as a center because at the time, especially when they put him at center, when he first came, we were like, we need centers. We were very, you know, the depth chart wasn't looking too great. Now it looks better, obviously, after, you know, a few drafts. But still, I think maybe he's destined to be a winger, and that's fine, I, you know whatever works at this point with with him because you don't want him to just you know start going to that bust territory you know you don't want to call a 29th overall draft pick a bust that's kind of a reach but you also want him to play like a first round draft pick right you want him to at least be like yeah i could see why this guy was taken in the first round that's kind of all we wish and hope for him so hopefully settles in on the wing The, the other player we mentioned Ilya kovalchuk just a strange kind of a weird situation. I don't know what else to say about it. We, we've covered it on Twitter. We've covered Kovalchuk basically since he's been on this team. His The way he's been handled by the team, whether it was Willie Desjardins last year or whatever the hell's going on right now, it's all just – it hasn't been good from day one. That's the only – the only good times I remember is when John Stevens was the coach for that first stretch. Right. And he looked fine. He was playing well. And then – Basically, ever since that coach got fired, things have just kind of gone south for him and his relationship with the organization. I don't know what's happening. We got reports that he was done for the season, essentially, that the Kings had informed him that, you know, you could practice with us, but you're done, which is just strange. Which is a weird thing to say Yeah. in the first place. Yeah. It, it, it raises several questions. The motive of the team, if they're trying to move him, and trying to keep him sharp so he's more attractive to a different team, fine. But then we get reports that the Kings have tried to move him and it's not happening. And so they're just going to terminate his con- – it, I think I heard everything. There was even a tweet that said – or the hockey news that said uh, Kovalchuk and the Kings are now negotiating his release, which completely blew my hair back. I was like, why? Right, which also came a day after – they specifically asked um, McClellan and Blake about it, and they're like, no, 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 it's just, just a healthy scratch. You might be back in the, there tomorrow. And now, like, it's just radio silence. Like, there's – yeah. If, if you believe at any point in time that there's a chance that Ilya Kovalchuk is actually going to end up back in the LA Kings lineup, man <laughs> – you are an optimistic person. Well, but the thing is, like, I wouldn't blame anyone for thinking that because all you hear is just conflicting reports. The The reports that suggest he will be back or could be back are coming from the two top guys in the organization. The coach and the general manager are saying, no, this is not what's happening. But then you hear these other things where they're trying to terminate or they're trying to – I don't know what the hell they're doing. I really don't. And I would love some clarity on the situation, but they don't owe me that, obviously. But here's the thing. If you're trying to terminate this player, let's say that is the scenario. It absolutely boggles my mind for a 35-plus contract, and we'll get into what that contract means, for a 35-plus UFA contract player to not be willing to eat 50% of his salary and just send him off for anything. If you If you are that committed to getting rid of him, if that's like we cannot have this player anymore on this team – Eat half the salary, ship them off to a playoff team. They will give you something, maybe not a first, maybe not a second, but something. Right. You're going to get something for them. So the termination thing is just so odd. And the only two scenarios that even make sense in that situation is that he would just be like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to go back to Russia. 
So if you could just terminate my contract, I don't want to go play for any other team. But then it's like <laughs> he's practicing with the team and being offered to stay as long as he'd like. I don't know, man. This was this is tough to wrap my head around, really. I've never heard of anything like this happening. Like, I don't even know. I just, I don't understand. I really don't. I don't under, I guess I just, I, was it really so bad that you feel like you need to do this? And again, this isn't because it's like, oh my God, how dare you do this to Ilya Kovalchuk? There's none of that to this. I'm just, it's a very confusing way to handle a player who you went after and you signed as a free agent and you're also i think in a lot of ways trying to set an example to what your organization is going to be who you're going to recruit like this is again we talked about this at the time this might have been one of if not the biggest free agent signing the la kings had ever had regardless of the fact that he was a 35 year old winger who'd been playing in the khl before there was other teams who wanted him at the time the money's irrelevant when it comes to the kings Maybe in terms of like actual payout, whatever it matters, but in terms of cap effect, it's irrelevant for this season and next season. So I just think it sets a poor example to how the LA Kings handle their players. And that's not a great thing in my mind when your team already has a history of poorly managing players with the whole Mike Richards scenario and even how they handled the Voinov situation because when all these charges were coming around, they were still letting him practice with the team and they came under fire for that too. So it's just like clearly PR is not their best thing at the moment. And you would hope that that would change with a new regime, but instead you get something like this happening and you're hearing that like Blake's pissed off because it leaked to the media that this was their plan. Like really come on. I just it boggles my mind that as a sports team, as a professional sports team, you can't do a better job of handling a professional situation like this. It's just strange, strange. And his contract, you're better off trading him, taking as much money as you can back than I mean you can you can retain fifty percent no problem. Because that contract you can retain fifty percent no problem means nothing to you. Yeah, that contract is essentially ironclad. Yeah, the way, gonna, the, the, way you, the structure is set up. Right. So if he goes to the KHL, the full cap hit is still effective against the Kings. The Kings can wait through this season. I don't know how they plan on doing that in terms of like not letting him play, but not really letting him go anywhere. And then they can buy him out in the offseason during the buyout window and then have two-thirds of the value count two seasons across and I don't understand that either the only only argument that I have heard that made any remote sense was that the Kings were very close to their 50 contract cap and they were looking for ways to like get out of contracts but even then that's super confusing because like we talked about you could trade him and you're planning on trading other players during this season which would bring your contract number down as well So I guess in my mind, I have never thought that it is so bad. It is so irredeemable. It is so much Ilya Kovalchuk's fault that it is better to get rid of him in some fashion than it is to just let him play, figure out a way to make it work, and find a team that's willing to take him 
maybe after his bonus is due in, in December, at which point his actual salary that another team would have to pay him would drop to like $700,000. Yeah. Right. Even though the cap hit would still, you know, would be whatever percentage the Kings retained. I don't know. In my mind, it just seems like there's there's much cleaner, better ways to handle this than this. Uh, maybe that's the plan. Maybe they're waiting for the bonus to kick in so they could make a trade. So you're not going to let him play for a month and a half? <laughs> you're not even you're not even going to send him down to Ontario. You could you could send him down to Ontario. Like, is he really going to hurt the rain? Yeah, I, I, it just doesn't. It blows my mind. It also confuses me because it's not like you haven't seen. Good games for Milia Kovalchuk thus far. He was, again, a point-of-game player for the first few games of the season. They found a way at times to use him effectively on the power play. And, of course, now that they've won three in a row, everyone's going to sit there and be like, oh, you see, Kovalchuk's out of the lineup. Three games in a row they've won. It's like, come on, man. That's There's no correlation there. That's just coincidence. And... Another thing that I always find odd is that it seems like no one can say definitively what he's doing wrong. Yeah. That's the part that's really kind of odd to me. It's like – I think In fact, I hear more about what he does right. Yeah. It, what's odd, I think Jim Fox was talking the other day. It's like, you know, the problem is – it was on King's telecast. The problem with Kovalchuk <laughs> is that he's playing NHL hockey the way – it was played when he was last in the NHL, last time he was in the NHL. Instead of now, he's playing that old game in the new NHL, and it's not working. And I'm just like, that is very vague. That is a very, very vague statement because many people would argue that his game is better suited for a high-skill, fast-paced environment. Can he fly like he used to? No. But this isn't the dead puck era. Right. Where, you know, the game's slow and it's so physical that a guy like, a skilled guy like that can't be useful anymore. Like, the you know, the game's changed. But it's just weird thing after weird thing. Even the coaching staff, even when they ask McClellan, like, he can't, he can never tell you, like, you know what? Right. Uh, Kobe's, you know, not fitting in the system. He's just not getting it. It's not, like, give me that. Yeah. Give me that at least. I'm like, okay, he's, he's not... You know, he's not a fit. It doesn't fit with what McClellan's trying to do. And to argue against Jim Fox's point, the last time he was in the league, they they played against the Kings the year that the Kings won their first Stanley Cup. And Ilya Kovalchuk had 83 points in 77 games, including 37 goals. And then the following year, when he was limited to 37 games, he had 31 points. So... A lot of the same players who are on the Kings were playing at that time as well. I haven't exactly seen them adjust their game to the new NHL over the past several years. So I don't buy that. I think I, I don't either because it's just a lot of words and no substance right. in my I think opinion. He's, I agree. I think he's a skilled player who's clearly not as skilled as he was before, but – on this team with the players that he's being asked to play with. And that's regardless of where he is in the lineup, because clearly I haven't seen him mesh well enough with Kopitar or Brown or anything like that. He's just not an effective player. That does not mean to me that he can't be an effective player on another team. I think if you put him on Washington 
or hell, even Edmonton or somewhere like that where, you know, clearly things are clicking and the team is doing well and they can generate offense. He can still be a very dynamic player. Yeah. Less, I mean, people were saying James Neal was done last season and no one's saying that now in Edmonton. So I, I don't buy this whole new old NHL argument. I think there is a ton of information that we don't know, obviously, because the whole situation is vague and I'm, I don't even know if it'll ever come out. There's a ton going on behind the scenes that we're not privy right. to for sure, because nothing else makes sense. Like even the day after he was scratched and all this, these rumors came out and McClellan's like, yeah, you know, he came to practice. He worked hard. Yeah. Like he's what a pro it's a good sign for the team. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills out here. Like what, like what is going on? I still don't know. Right. I don't know if we'll ever know, but hopefully some information comes out. Cause there's a lot. Right. And then the following day he was going to, he was going to speak to the media and then last minute the team was like, he's declining to speak to the media. And that's the last I've heard of it. Yeah. The hockey news tweet came out and now he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> like, he's just poof vanished and no one's even talking about it. No one's even like third straight healthy scratch for really like no one, no one cares. It's just like, we're just going to ignore it until it goes away. Yeah. If, if I had, okay, if I'm moving on and we've, again, we've supported Kovalchuk ever since he's come here. We've been very vocal about how he's been used. If, let's say, all things considered, it didn't work out. My main concern is how it looks, and you mentioned this. You were clear about this, but I want to reiterate it. How it looks from the outside about how this whole situation has been handled. Especially when you're coming out and saying what a great guy he is. How hard he's yeah. working. What a good pro. Great, you know... Great in the locker room, blah, blah, blah. That's all I've heard. If I'm a free That's agent. all I've ever heard. If I'm a free agent and I'm looking at the way this whole situation has been handled with a guy that you know, you know, 90% minimum of the league respects a lot. This isn't just some guy, all right? This is one thing that I think irritates me the most when I hear people, especially Kings fans and just in general, the way people talk about him these days, like – it's almost like he's just another guy. He's not another guy. Okay, he's he's a special player. There are players in this league that come and go that are clearly head and shoulders above, whether it be in talent, gifted, whatever. He is one of those guys, in my opinion, from what I've seen watching his whole career. He's a special player, and had he not gone to the KHL, he would be going to the Hall of Fame. And he still might. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do that. But games international and probably. Sure. Yeah. He, to me, he's a he's a Hall of Famer. In my opinion. So he's not just some guy. And, and the way people have been so dismissive, just kind of shrug their shoulder and say, oh, whatever, who cares? You know, again, I I don't – it's kind of a weird dovetail with the whole Don Cherry thing. And I really have zero interest in getting into the whole Don Cherry thing from this, from this year. But um, I feel like a lot of people want to attach the – quote unquote lazy Russian yeah. stereotype. They really, really want to do that because he left to the KHL and then he came back. Like, and I hate that anytime a Russian player 
who left and comes back or whatever, the second they don't do well, the second they fail, the immediate like knee-jerk response is lazy Russian, go back to the KHL. Like that is just that's horrible, the, man. That's, that, if but, that's, but it's so true. It's so true. I don't. I'm not surprised if it is. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. You know, just a, a negative vibe connected to to Russian players, and and even you could go further European players if they don't play that good old North American hockey. There's like this negative vibe that gets attached to them, and I, I personally don't agree with it. I don't like it, uh, especially. You know, the Ovechkin, for example, you know, Ovechkin plays North American hockey, but the second he starts dwindling his, or he's going through a cold streak, he gets right. attacked hard, harder than most, I would say. And that's just observations on my part. I'm not, you know, calling out xenophobia or anything that's a little extreme. I'm just saying that for whatever reason, over the years, there, yes, you're right, there has been this kind of tag connected to European players. And I, and I personally, hate it i hate it absolutely hate it because if you don't play that north american grind it out go through a wall and if you just rely on your skill other suddenly you're like a heartless player or something like that and it really pisses me off and you could go back to the way people were speaking about alexander frolov years and years ago this is not a new thing but i'm hoping that in this situation i hope that's not the case but i wouldn't be shocked if Again, I'm, if that's I, I want to clarify. Process. I'm not saying that that's the vibe that the Kings are painting. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's at all what McClellan has said. In everything I have heard from the Kings, from people connected to the Kings who see this dude in capacities that we are not privy to, has been about what a good guy he is, what a good locker room guy he is. He doesn't pout. He shows up every day. He works he wants to be the best possible version of himself out there and in even if he's not out there that is again what i have heard through and through and yet no matter how much i hear that from people who are connected to the team the second this dude gets healthy scratched the second there's all this stuff coming out about how he the contract terminations and whatnot immediately idiot hockey Twitter blows up. And I'm not just talking about random people. I'm talking like blue check mark people blowing up and throwing out the whole, you know, go back to the KHL. Who could have ever seen that the Russian, like that pisses me off so much. Yep. It's so uncalled for. And it would piss and me off. If it was any, Person yeah, like it, it's not specific yeah. to him. It's it's the fact that you're gonna you're gonna typecast or stereotype someone immediately with this idea that like you couldn't cut it in the NHL anymore, could you, comrade? Head or, back. Like it, uh, it, it's yeah. just got this like vibe to it that irritates me to no end. Yeah, like when he went to the KHL, it was very much like traitor, backstabber, totally. You know, greedy. You same thing. You screwed they did the my same team. Thing to you the you same screwed thing my y- team by doing this. Whereas you know, quite frankly, unless you're an elite, elite player in the NHL, the team could give a crap less about you. Let's be honest right. here. So, right. So Woo! anyway, sorry. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of, I, I, I got a little it. heated there. But that's that's my biggest problem with this. Honestly, 
I could care less if they, if, you know, it's not working out with him and the team, they're trying to give him a better chance, an opportunity to maybe go back to the KHL if that's what he wants or go to a different team, giving him an opportunity to be able to play where he wants to play. Totally fine. I don't care. I do not care. I don't sit there awake at nights and say to myself, damn it, why can't we get Ilya Kovalchuk in the lineup? It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is the perspective that people are pigeonholing onto this. Yep. It's, it, it doesn't exist. It's not real. It's a fabricated story that they're trying to like attach simply because he's Russian. That's all there is to it. Well, then. <laughs> and I am – I this iced tea is just riling me up, buddy. That's what's <laughs> going gotta, on. You got to relax gotta on cool that. got to cool off. You got to get the decaf. Relax on that iced tea. And that's that. Uh, hopefully this topic clarifies itself a little bit because there is – again, maybe news comes out and everything makes sense. I don't know. I don't know. But so far, very little has made sense and I don't foresee anything – clear coming out of this soon but hopefully eventually we get an idea of what happened with with this entire situation and right. who knows maybe he plays <laughs> i don't know i really don't know yeah right i don't get it so two games from now back in the lineup yeah makes even less sense than it did before right um that i i that's it for kingsland around the nhl party edmonton yeah grisky and curry are lighting up the league Jesus. right now and, of course, we're talking about Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who are just torching the NHL. And, you know, I jokingly say Gretzky and Curry, but when's the last time? And I, I know we're not going to go that far back because they're having dynamic duos. But when's the last time you saw a two-man operation like this? Because they are, like, first of all, they're one and two in scoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's already rare. And they're one and two in scoring. You know, Dreisaitl has 43 points. McDavid has 40. Marshawn has 32. It's right. an eight-point lead on everybody for uh, Dreisaitl. It's an 11-point lead. So they're one and two in points. One and two in goals. One and two in assists. And they <laughs> and Dreisaitl is first in all the categories. Yeah. It helps when they're assisting on one another's goals sure. all the time. And that's exactly what's happening, Yeah, quite frankly. Um, I'm trying to think back. Maybe it was two years ago. I felt like Kucherov and Stomkos were were kind of doing this little dance as well. I have to look back, but that's they were about the most recent. They that were, I can but, think but of. I don't think. <clears throat> and, and not to discredit what you said, because you're right, but I don't think they were essentially. You know, that was a stacked team. Not yeah, not to this. <laughs> that was a stacked squad. That Tampa yeah. squad. Yeah. And these guys are the squad. Yeah. Period. They are yeah. the reason the Oilers are first in the Pacific. There is no, there is no other thing. Maybe the coach give him a little credit. Fine, good coach, Dave Tippett. But other than that, I mean, these guys are. I, I do wonder how much they're playing. I haven't looked at their ice time, but it has to be north of twenty-five. Easily, it has to twenty. Be. I think I think McDavid is like twenty-three, twenty-four easily. They're both they're both around there. Um, Connor McDavid had a six-point game. Say it again. Six-point game. That's last right. Last game. And I'm telling you, man, one of these Josh days. Josh had five that game. Yeah, no problem. Uh, one of these games, I think Connor is going to get 10. I really do. If <laughs> I think he's going to start up in the first period, get four points in the first period or something nuts like that. And I think he's one of these days, man, he's going to get 10 points. 
and our brain is gonna melt. Sam Gagne had eight years ago, <laughs> and that like scorched the entire internet for like weeks. Yeah. And Sam Gagne, good player, not Connor McDavid. No. And, and he's, I've never, you know, there's been players that you watch and you're like, this guy's unstoppable. But then you watch him and you're like, no, this this is what unstoppable is. Yeah. He's unstoppable. What are you going to do? You want to put two on him? He's going to embarrass two guys. Like right. he has <laughs> consistently. He's, he's a human highlight reel, dude. It's it's fantastic. I, I love looking for Oilers highlights because it's funny. They don't even bother making uh, clips anymore of his simpler goals because <laughs> there's just too many other ones to look at. Uh, yeah. Here's a fun question for you. Off the top of your head, who do you think the league-leading uh, defenseman is in scoring? Oh, isn't it Carlson? Yes. Yeah. But so which Car- John, John Carlson? Yeah, yeah, John Carlson. Yes. He's got 31 points in 21 <clears throat> games. Yeah. He's already got eight goals. Yeah. Which I think makes him would make him immediately the leading goal scorer on the Kings. Sure. <laughs> and uh, he's plus 13. It's phenomenal yeah yeah it ha- over half of those points are five on five too so man so i guess what i'm saying is the kings have to find themselves a dude named carlson <laughs> in some way either the american or swedish version don't care maybe 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 his dad's name can be carl and that's good enough look washington started off very strong um john carlson had a huge first month i believe yeah, he's 31 points first. Second is Dougie Hamilton with 22. <clears throat> Nowhere to be found. Actually, that's not yeah. true. Drew Doughty's in 18th spot with 13 Amongst points. Defensemen. Yeah. yeah. A lot of a lot yeah. of chatter about about Drew Doughty lately. There has been. There has been. But uh, but once you get mad at him, he Drew just delivers. Comes out and says, "Yep, yeah, I'm not playing well." And you're like, "Okay." <laughs> that one Chicago Damn game. It. That one Chicago game. I was particularly upset with him in overtime because he made two plays where I was just like, "I don't know what you're doing, man." But that ain't it. Yeah. He he threw it into like two bad areas and almost cost him the game. And in classic Drew fashion, he gets the game winner. <laughs> Has there ever been a player that frustrates and then excites you more? The Drew Daddy. I don't think there there has been. He's again self admitted. He's having a tough season. A lot of talk about he's learning the system and all this stuff. But I think we all agree. Like he's just got to be better in general. I'm not yeah. too worried about it because look, this is a borderline throwaway season in my opinion. So I'm not going to judge a player on a season like this. You know, it's an interesting season for him. He's certainly not playing to his. Uh, normal ability if you hear from what little he's talked about it you know there there's definitely a bit of a role change in terms of how they want him to play d um focusing more so on immediately jump starting the offense straight off a defensive situation versus like being able to funnel plays to the wall where he prefers to uh rover versus defensive defensive you know, classic defensive uh, player kind of thing, whatever. But um, I, I really, I'm trying to like find the right words to describe this, but that's kind of what he basically said is that they're asking him to play more as a Rover, more to be able to immediately turn the play around and go back up as opposed to what he likes to do, which is funnel guys to the boards and check them and knock them off of the puck. 
take make of that what you will. Um, the metrics all kind of show that he is not playing well. Um, yeah, and all across maybe the board. Yeah, and maybe some of that is, you know, who he's been partnered with. I think over the last few games, they've actually partnered him with who is clearly the King's second best defenseman in uh, in uh, Walker at this point. Um, and that's interesting because they're two right-handed guys. <laughs> so <laughs> that's always fun. Um, but maybe that's what leads to some improvement all around for the rest of the, for the rest of the team. I'm not really sure. And maybe once Derek Forbert comes back, that gives him a little more flexibility for Dowdy to go back to the way he was used to playing. It's a long season and Drew Dowdy, even though he's not playing well, is one of those people that I don't really worry about for the exact reason that you brought up, which is he's his own worst critic. Despite the fact that he mouths off against anyone else as well, he holds himself to a pretty high standard and he loves rising to the occasion. I don't know if there's any other player short of maybe Jonathan Quick on the Kings who loves shutting people up and loves showing up when big games matter. Yeah, I tweeted that game after he scored. I think I tweeted uh, I, I honestly believe Drew Doughty still oh, thinks yeah. the Kings can win the Stanley Cup this 100%. season. 100%. Because that's just him. Like, he's just – any team he's on, he refuses to believe that that team can lose. Yeah. Which is a great quality to have. Absolutely. I, I think I, I think we are all covered. I think we've covered our bases and a little yep. more. Yep. It's episode 49, Vardy. So, another, another softball episode for you in my really? opinion. Okay. Four players Great. have worn the number 49 for the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. The first player and also the longest tenured player wore it in 2002. The last player to have worn it wore it in 2016. So, you know, pretty recent memory oh, okay. for all uh, of these players. Hold on, hold on. So the 2016, I, I, pre- I believe, is Michael Mersch. Correct. Okay, cool, because he got a few games in. Yes, when we still thought exactly. he could play in the NHL. God, um, Michael Mersh. So that's one. Hopefully Matt Luff is not the next Michael Mersh, but <laughs> high probability. Uh, let's go backwards. <clears throat> okay. Years, please, on the next player. Uh, 2010. Huh. 2010. It's such a bad number. Can we agree on that? It is such a poor number <laughs> to wear. Definitely. It is. Uh, how many games did this man play? Um, NHL games over a hundred. Okay, twenty-five for the Kings. Okay, so that's significant enough for memory, at least. Twenty ten weird season. Mm-hmm. That's when the Kings got good again. The shaping into goodness. Well, that's isn't that the, that's the season they had over a hundred points. 2010 was? Yeah. I'd have to look. He played 0-9-10. Yeah, that's the season the Kings, Ryan Smith and Justin Williams and Kopitar were Uh, lighting the league on fire. They made the playoffs. They lost to Vancouver. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Yeah, I can't seem to get it, man. Was there a Gauthier? 
<laughs> no. Because the other no. Danny Gauthier played. I just can't remember his number. It was some weird number. Like yeah. That. Okay. Um, well, I don't got it. So. Okay. This is the one that I didn't think you'd get. Uh, Brandon Siegel. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I remember. We had him for 20. Yeah. So he. Um, I imagine his PIMs are high. Uh, not as high as you'd think, actually. Okay. okay. So here's here's interesting thing. Um, he played 25 games for the Kings that season. Uh, got two points, 20 PIMs. So, you know. Uh, but then we traded him to Dallas. Uh-huh. For the rest of 0-9-10, he played 19 games with Dallas and had 10 points. All right. <laughs> so Dallas kept him around for another season when he got another 10 points and then slowly drifted out of the league after that point. Okay. So that was Brandon Siegel. Um, next player played 2007. And this is a player that you should definitely know. Ooh. Because it wasn't – I'm sorry. I don't know why. Oh, I know why. I see. I see. Okay. Is so I'll put it to you this way. Okay. He he played for the Kings much longer than 2007. Okay. 2007 was a placeholder number. Mm. Those always hurt, man. They, they do. They always hurt. They do. I mean I know – I've – I'll probably know the player, but I just I'm not gonna know the. Oh, you're one thousand percent. You know okay. the player. Okay, well, 2007. So he was a rookie-ish. <clears throat> Correct. No, don't have it, man. I'll give you another factoid. <laughs> okay. He was eventually traded, and played against the Kings. The year they won their first Stanley Cup. Ooh. Eventually traded. All right, this is going to take me a minute. So, because I'm going through the playoffs right now in my head, yep. obviously. Yep. Actually, he might, he might have free agent signed, regardless. Regardless, okay. Um... Someone somewhere screaming this name. <laughs> really? Probably. At you. At me. As they listen to this. Um, I don't have it. Do you want initials? Why not? P.H. Peter Holland? <laughs> no, he was 53, I think. Um, P.H. You got the Peter part, right? Oh, Yeah. Oh, Peter Harold. Peter Harold. Why did I say Holland? Was there a Holland? There probably was. Yes. But yes, Peter. I thought yes. it was a Jason Holland, wasn't it? That's probably correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably much more correct, Marty. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for feeding me that one. And the last one, the crown jewel. <laughs> Apparently, the longest. Oh no, was he the longest tenured? So Peter Harold was the longest tenured King, player, probably, but not, but not, but not the longest number. tenured gotcha. wearing forty nine. Gotcha. One man stands above them all, <laughs> okay. literally and figuratively, wearing the number forty nine. And the years, please. Two thousand one. Okay. Uh. 
he was kind of up and down. Okay. But was the last time he played in an LA Kings sweater was 2006. <laughs> wow. So he's a big man. Is he a defenseman, Wardy? No. 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 And, and the reason why I had to check is because we had a string of guys around that time who were like wingers slash defense, basically, <laughs> wherever we needed them to spend their eight minutes a night right <laughs> before on. they pounded someone's face in. <laughs> okay. So he's a face pounder. I think I know who it is, and I think it's Ryan Flynn. The man, the myth, the legend himself. <laughs> That's right. Was it concussions that yeah, led him to he retire? Had a, he had a, he bad, had a bad one, He had right? a bad like, fight. He hit his head on the ice. Right. Similar. Well, no, I think. Was it against Bugard? I can't remember, but I think it was like knockout and then head on the ice. Yeah. That's. I Man, I seem to remember it being for some reason. Now I got to look it up. But um, oh, I, hope I you should tell you. I, I was. I, this was 100% going to be the Ryan Flynn episode in my mind. Good. Because if you've uh, – yeah. Hold on. I have to look it up. But anyway, um, yeah. You know what's – So there you go. What's interesting, he was – you know, he's probably kind of a not memorable player. But it's interesting how when you're an enforcer – or you have a very specific role, it kind of gives you character almost. It yeah. gives you like this third dimension that helps you remember. Like I think I probably remember more enforcers, random enforcers, than I do like some oh, you totally. know, nameless, faceless, third-line guy who like played, never scored, or whatever, had a cup of coffee. So yeah, I remember Ryan Flynn very much. Um, I can't. I don't. Yeah. I can't remember the fight, but it was. Yeah, not I can't good. remember. And, I'm just trying to find it here. Yeah, is it Jim Vandermeer? This keeps this Jim Vandermeer fight keeps coming up, and I'm just going to take a quick look here. Oh yeah, dude. It is the yeah. Vandermeer I think this fight. is the one, dude. Oh yeah, dude. Man, don't even watch it. Oh man. How about that? Don't even watch it, dude. It's. Vardy's, Vardy's taking it for you here. So Yeah, it's bad, bro. It's bad. So he's, Yeah, he's got this glassy eyed look and what uh did he terrible. So this fight is is dated two thousand five. <clears throat> yeah. So he played after this. I don't know if he did, because okay. the way it shows up on NHL like when I look up on hockey D B yeah. it says oh five oh six. You know what though? You're right. He played in the AHL. Yes. After that. Yeah. So he didn't – this wasn't the one that ended. He played all the way until 2009, 2010 for Rockford. So, yes, he continued to play but um, no longer in the NHL. Yeah. So I, I just unfortunately watched the video and it is horrifying. Yeah. It is horrifying. Anyway, that is not the note I wanted to end on. Glad yeah. he's okay. What can I yeah, say? Yes. Glad, Glad Ryan Flynn you're okay. Hopefully there was no – Long-term consequences of such things. Yeah. But, yeah. Ryan Flynn episode. Ryan Flynn episode. Episode 49. The next one is 50, Vardy. The big, big time. The big 5-0. Yeah. We, we so we'll, we'll have to think of something special. Our golden Some way anniversary. To commemorate that. yeah. That's right. Figure That's that right. one out. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on these 49 rides. We've enjoyed every second. As usual, subscribe to us, please. As usual, follow us on Twitter, please.
Um, leave us a review. Send us an email. Uh, BannermanPod at gmail.com. Our boy, <laughs> our boy Mike Irwin, still sending us emails. Mike Irwin, if you're listening, keep them coming, buddy. We'll never share. Yeah, man. Don't even worry. Yeah, and we we love the interaction. We honestly do. I I love that when we were tweeting about this Kovalchuk situation, it spawned like this. <laughs> thread yeah. of like 30 responses it was amazing yeah. loved every minute of it guys keep it coming yeah and i want to give a shout out to one of our listeners suk suki as nice. i know you're out there he is one of our top listeners nice, and has been since day one so well earned sh- uh shout out for him thank you Suk. appreciate it bro yeah and uh we'll see you guys next time episode 50 it's gonna be good i think i hope go kings go You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.